Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school. And that is what this podcast is designed to do, to educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only, to learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. Grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. Welcome to the Next Level Human Show, everyone. I'm Dr. Jade Tita. Today's episode is going to be in the realm of what many people might call woo-woo, new age, spiritual, and specifically in the uh, domain of manifestation. So what is manifestation? This is this idea that by placing your attention, your thoughts on a particular outcome, you can make it a reality in the real world. Now, to some degree, this idea is sort of a no-duh idea, right? Because we can certainly think about times uh, that we have been highly engaged in a goal set and worked over time to achieve that goal set, to make something come into existence, like get into college, get a new job, find a new lover, you know, make a certain amount of money, buy a house, all of these things. Many of us have had in our lives periods of time where we say, I want this particular goal and I'm going to work for it. And so to some degree, this is manifestation. It is having something in mind that we want to achieve in the outer world and then putting our actions into motion and over time achieving those things. Now, typically when we talk about manifestation, though, we're talking about something a little bit different than this. And this is where the woo-woo new age comes in. Obviously, the way I just described manifestation is more akin to setting a goal working hard to achieve that particular goal. And this is matter impacting matter, meaning you as a 3D being, someone who operates in the 3D realm, impacting something else that operates in the 3D realm. In other words, we are matter impacting matter. And of course, because we are in a world of space, time, and matter, anytime we want to have one form of consciousness create another form of consciousness, the life that we're currently living, manifesting into a different life. If we are matter, we have to do something else on matter, and that takes time. And this is where some of the differences between the manifestation that I'm going to talk about today versus the manifestation that I'm mentioning now. So this idea of achieving a goal set, excuse me, takes time. 
because we are matter focusing on matter. Now, is there a way to shorten that time? And is there a way to achieve seemingly impossible things, things that we wouldn't necessarily think that we could achieve? For example, things like if you're in prison for life, being able to get out of prison and become a well-known author and have a Harvard degree. There are people who have done this or uh, someone who comes from a very poor neighborhood, a trailer park and grows up in very poor settings and then achieves and becomes a multimillionaire or multi or a billionaire. This has been done or someone who uh, in times gone past is an athlete who wants to achieve something impossible in the athletic realm. An example here would be a Roger Bannister breaking the four minute mile. How do people do these things? And certainly, will we can say we're not talking about something just manifesting out of thin air and appearing just because we wish it. Well, we're talking about things that are seemingly impossible and things that happen relatively quickly. This is the manifestation that I want to talk about with you today. Now, why do I want to talk about this? Well, first of all, I just got back from a conference that touched on in uh, pretty significant ways this manifestation idea. Now, I have been doing manifestation work since my early 20s, visualizing, basically, visualizing what I want to see in my world and then seeing it achieved. And honestly, in a very real way, the world that I live in today looks exactly like almost exactly like the world I was visualizing for myself in my 20s. Of course, I'm getting ready to turn 50, right? I'm 50 now. So that's 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago. That's how long it took. Now, the truth of the matter is, though, in my life, I have seen things happen that happen very quickly and almost by... um impossible standards, like these amazing synchronicities and serendipities. And they always came uh, after a period of visualization or manifestation, although they weren't always predictable. And what I'm going to suggest today is a new way of doing this. Now, let me be clear about this. This is an experiment. This isn't something that I have used up to this point. But I have used manifestation and visualization. And ultimately, I am building with the next level human um, programs and certification to come in 2024. I am building out the change architecture that goes along with the next level human work. Hence, my interest in revisiting manifestation and how to do this. And so in one hand, some of this is going to seem like woo-woo and new age, but on the other hand, it's actually very practical, very sort of no-duh-jade kind of stuff. And we'll see how long this podcast goes, but I want to break down the formula, the next level human formula for manifestation, including some of the new insights that I just recently had because they are fresh on my mind and I'm very excited about them. So, Let's get into this. What we are talking about is this idea of manifesting something that would be uncommon. 
some of the things that this would be is someone healing from a disease that science says is incurable or that would be impossible, right? Someone overcoming an autoimmune disease, let's say. Someone uh, going from, as I said before, a financial situation that is very difficult for them to a financial situation that is all of a sudden abundant beyond their imagination. Someone going from a personal relationship uh, position, trying to find uh, a romantic partner uh, and struggling with that mightily throughout their lives to all of a sudden having that. Someone who's struggling with purpose, someone who's struggling in any of the four jobs we talk about here at Next Level Human, finance, health, personal relationships, and personal development, which would include purpose and meaning. So how do we do this? Let's start with how I used to do this and used to think about this. The way I used to do this and used to think about this would be that I would sit down and usually it would be laying down first thing in the morning and last thing at night as I was drifting off to sleep or coming out of sleep. And what I would do is I would imagine in my mind's eye in a very visual way, a life that I was living that looked, tasted, felt uh, the experiences of what I wanted, which was I come from a lower middle class family, which was a very wealthy, uh, well to do, abundant lifestyle, nice things, nice cars, nice house, comfort, creature comforts of life and things like that. Uh, health and fitness oriented stuff, uh, managing my health, building a, uh, a muscular body. Uh, I was very much into bodybuilding and athletics when I was young. And a lot of my manifestation work came around that, around health and fitness, but specifically the look and feel of a physical body. And the life that I am living and have lived has largely tracked that uh, process. However, as I've gotten older, <clears throat> what I have done is I've gotten away from those visualizations and then I'd come back to them. Then I'd go away from them. Then I'd come back to them. And they didn't stay as a practice in the way that they did for probably a three to five year period in my early 20s doing this. You know, life catches up with you. We all know how that is. And it becomes sort of like, mm, this stuff doesn't work. It's just, you know, it takes a long time. You just got to work hard, which, by the way, I always have worked hard. So there was definitely something to this visualization. I think what it was doing for me is it was planting a seed acting as a compass in my life, essentially saying, this is what things look like. This is what you want things to look like. And then what happened was when I went out and lived my life from the degrees that I got to the jobs that I took, to the businesses that I started, everything was tracking to that particular compass. So a vision and intention is important. However, one of the things that I realized that I have done is I have made visualization and the vision process the crux of what I thought manifestation was. And over the last couple of years, I have realized and begin and started to develop a formula that is much better than this that I'll get into in just a minute. And of course, this uh this, uh, the words escaping me. It's like this, my thyroid, my thyroid kicks. And I call this my thyroid issues when stuff like this happens. But this conference that I went to, conference is the word I'm looking for. This conference that I went to 
got me sort of focusing back on this work and actually uh, helped me find some missing pieces, things that I know I had experienced in the past, but I did not realize how powerful they might be. And so I want to go through this highlighting some of the things that I I knew, but I didn't know that I knew uh, years back that we're going to highlight. Now, the first, let's just go through the steps and a lot of the mistakes that people make with manifestation. The first thing is I'm not so sure that it is right to think of manifestation as magic. A lot of people think of manifestation this way, like the secret. Just think the thoughts and you will get the thing. Now, certainly you might say, well, Jade, it seems to me that you have done that in your 20s. You were thinking and visualizing all of this stuff. And it seemed that now you're living that life. Certainly that is, I think I, I can definitely say that that is true of my life. However, that's true of a lot of people's lives, isn't it? A lot of people have set goals in their 20s, worked really hard and achieved those things with not, without doing any kind of manifestation work. And in a sense, uh, that makes a lot of sense to us in that, hey, if you just work hard, take action, that maybe that's more important than thought. So it's not the secret. It's not magic. You can't just think it into existence. You have to act it into existence. And I would say that that's also true, that when we're talking about manifestation, we're talking about setting a vision for what we want. But we also have to, in a very real sense, become that vision. In other words, we have to be that vision. And this is going to be a definition we should get cleared up out of the way right now. What is being? When you are being something, what does that mean? Well, that means you are in alignment with the way you think, act, choose, and feel, right? Think, feel, choose, and act. You're in alignment with that. Now, let's stay here just a minute because we all know people can think a thing. You can sit there and think positive thoughts, but then you get pulled over in traffic or you're stuck in traffic and you become irritated. And so, so much for those thoughts, right? They didn't translate into actually feeling and acting uh, the part. You can be doing something and have your heart not in it. So we certainly know what that's like. You can certainly be going through the motions, walking through life asleep, so to speak. So we can act and not necessarily feel and think the part. We can think and not necessarily act the part. When we're talking about being and manifesting, we must understand that we must think, feel, act, choose in alignment with who we are trying to become or who we are trying to be. And this brings me to the first step that is absolutely critical that I cover and we deal with in my journey events. The fact of the matter is that we humans have a personal history. We have a history. And as uh, beings that operate in the 3D realm of time and space and matter, our past informs our future. In a very real sense, the brain that you have today is a record of your past. And your brain is basically a record keeper, a memory keeper. So it looks back and says, who am I? And then it goes, well, here are all the elements. Here are all the things that I've done in my life. So obviously, these things make me who I am. 
And then when you try to say, but I want to be different and have different things. I want to be a different human. The brain goes, but you're not. You're this. This is what your past looks like. And so the first step to manifestation is not actually doing any manifestation, visualization or meditation or anything like that at all. The first step in my mind is to change the perception about who you are. And this specifically is addressed in our traumas and our trials and our uh, tribulations. Who you are is largely a result of the pain and suffering that you have endured. I oftentimes talk about the five P's of our personality or the five P's of purpose, rather, which include personality. And personality includes the way you see the world, your perspectives and the way you think, your perceptions. So personality is really personality slash perceptions slash perspectives, the way we see the world and the way we see ourselves in the world. So our personality makes up our purpose or can make up our purpose. It's certainly an element that we need to uh, uh, basically look at and pay attention to if we're going to achieve a purpose that we want. So personality, there's also our passions, obviously the things that interest us, the things we find fun, the things that, um, we, uh, are interested in, uh, passions are important. These are the things we're drawn to, so to speak. Of course, our superpowers, we have talents that things that we are really good at that are part of who we are. We have people, people who helped us, people who hurt us, people who influenced us, mentors, friends, family, uh, sometimes the villains in our lives, the people who have hurt us. And of course, then there's our pain. So we have our personality, our passions, our superpowers, our people, and our pain. And these five Ps make up elements of who we are, And they make up almost like puzzle pieces that we can put together in unique ways to create a particular outcome. And so this is what the brain is kind of looking at. And specifically, our pain, though, keeps us stuck in particular patterns and doesn't allow us to create a purpose oftentimes because we don't get beyond the pain. Now, I often talk about pain as being a path to purpose or suffering being a source of meaning or are hurt as being a way to help. But in order for that to happen, we have to transcend those. We have to leave those wounds behind in a sense. And probably a better way to say it is we need to integrate those wounds. We need to make them part of who we are on a positive level, not part of who we are on a negative level. We can't be living in victim mode because of our past hurts. We have to let that stuff go. Now, briefly, I want to talk just a minute about what happens when we get hurt. Well, there's three paths that we can go down. The first path is the villain path. All of us are familiar with this. Hurt people who hurt people. They choose the villain path. They get hurt early in life or in their teenage years or early adulthood. They're betrayed in some way. They've had uh, struggles and they decide somewhere along the way, subconsciously, that life is dangerous, life is out to get them, and they begin to adopt the motto, it's me against the world, eye for an eye. And they become the villains. They become the assholes. These are the base level humans. Now, we all have some of this in us, but there are people who obviously choose the villain path. So they get hurt, they have pain, they choose the villain path. And once you go down that villain path, I'm going to make the argument that unless you release that, 
You have decided that you are entrenched. You can't manifest anything because you're already manifesting something. That's the villain. You've convinced yourself through perception and perspective that life is dangerous, that life is out to get you. And you're going to have to break through that belief set before you can uh, begin to create a different belief set. Doesn't that make sense to you? So you can't remain the villain and then have these great things in your life because the villain is who you are attached to. And that villain needs to be let go. That pain needs to be integrated in a different way. So that's one path you can go down. Another path you can go down is the victim path. The victim path is the blaming, complaining, whimpering, whining, distracting, denying, basically also seeing life as dangerous, bad, fearful. People are out to get you, you're going to hurt. But instead of hurting people, you wear it as a badge of honor. You basically say, this happened to me. Therefore, the world needs to bow at the altar of my pain. Now, very quickly, because I know many of you are being triggered by this, and I would be too, unless we put a caveat in. The fact of the matter is whenever we humans are hurt, everyone must be a victim for a time. It's part of the healing process. You can't heal unless you go through a victim state. For example, if you cut your finger, the victim state is the, the part of you that stops, feels it, grabs your thumb, and then looks at it, and then spends time attending to it, bandaging it, going, getting stitches, putting ointment on it, waiting for it to heal. That is the victim part. However, it would be silly for us to then go, I'm a person with my thumb cut. I don't cut vegetables anymore. I don't even go near knives because they hurt me. Wouldn't that be absolutely silly? But isn't that what we do uh, with mental emotional wounds? So yes, we need to be a victim for a time. But anyone who lives in victim is now making a choice. And this is very, 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 how many times can I say very difficult for some people? In fact, our culture is a culture that some people would make the argument that celebrates this victim, this idea of staying and living in victim. And what I'm suggesting is that at some point, if you want to manifest a life that is going to be something that is magical for you, that is going to change the existence, change your way of being, you must choose at some point to give up being the victim. Now, this doesn't mean you have to, uh, you know, forgive, but you do or, or even forget. But you do have to integrate it in a way that goes, I'm going to use this to be better and different. And so you can't be the victim. So you can't be the villain and you can't be the victim. Well, what's the third path? The third path is the victor, right? The third path is the hero. The third path is the victor who essentially says, I've been hurt. And because I've been hurt and because of this pain, wow, I can use this as a lesson. It makes me unique. When I combine my unique pain with my unique personality and my unique passions and my unique superpowers and my unique people, I become a spiritual fingerprint, a purpose potential. I can do something magical as a result of my pain. And therefore, I see my pain not as something to be avoided, to whimper, whine, blame, complain, distract, deny, or attack with, but something that I can do something magical for the world with. This is ultimately where we need to get to. So this is stage one of manifestation. This is the first piece of the puzzle. We must integrate our old wounds. We must give up the villain and give up the victim 
and become more of the victor. We need to clear these old wounds and these old habits in the brain so that the brain is freed of energy and liberated from energy so that it can create something else. This is stage one. Now, this work, if you've never done this work, I do this in my journey events. If you're interested in those journey events, you can go to uh, jadetita.com backslash journey. And you can see what we do at these journey events. The journey events are all about clearing this old pain, integrating this old pain in a way that pushes you towards your purpose. And to me, this is the first stage. So why do so many people fail at manifestation? They fail at manifestation because they fail to clear the old habitual patterns that arose from their wounds. They refuse to let go of the villain or the victim. And they don't even know that that's possible or that it's holding them back. So that is stage one. You must free the energetics in the brain by giving up the villain and victim. And then now you're at a place where you are fresh, that you can actually be different. Because think about it. If you are used to blaming, complaining, whimpering, whining, distracting, and and denying, and attacking, and seeing the world is out to get you, how can you be in alignment of thinking, feeling, choosing, and acting in new ways when all your brain patterns, all your brain, you know, we have this saying, Hebb's Law, uh, neurons that fire together, wire together. When you think a particular thought over and over again, when you feel a particular way over and over again, when you act a particular way over and over again, when you make the same choices again and again, then all these neurons in your brain fire in the same way and they wire in the same way. And they literally create these networks of personality that make you entrenched. So then when you try to go and change your habits, right? The brain goes, no thanks, we do it this way. And one thing to know about habits, by the way, when you're manifesting, Habits, the brain uses habits as shortcuts. And guess what makes us fall back on habits when we are stressed? Whenever we get into stressful situations, the brain just goes right back to its habitual ways of thinking. And so what we need to do is to begin to prune, to release, to ease the tension in these brain neurons that fire together and wire together so that we can create a new personality, a new way of being, a new way of thinking, feeling, choosing, and acting. And this is the beginning is when we give up the villain and the victim, when we begin to integrate our pain in a way that is like the victor, that essentially says the hero. What is a hero, by the way? A hero is simply someone who's hurt who chooses to help people, someone who's hurt who chooses to grow from it. Right. Someone who's hurt, who chooses to create something of value with it. That's all a hero is. That's all the victor is. And that is a choice. And it begins with simply deciding I will no longer be the villain. I will no longer be the victim. And then, of course, you have to go out in the world and be it. And this is what we're going to talk about with the manifestation elements. Okay, so that is stage one. Now, stage two with, of manifestation is the part where you have to begin to think about it this way. You don't necessarily know if you're trying to create mega wealth, for example, mega abundance. Certainly when I was a lower middle class kid, I didn't know what it felt like to have abundant wealth. I didn't know what it felt like to live in a million dollar home. I didn't know 
what it felt like to drive a you know $100,000 car. I didn't know what it felt like to be able to be a generous uh, with my friends and family. I didn't know what it felt like to leave a $100 tip for somebody. I didn't know any of that. And part of the uh, victim mentality I had around money, by the way, is that my perception and perspective was that rich people were uh, greedy. They were these greedy uh, people who just wanted to take advantage of other people. Now, think about that. If that's the brain state that I was firing and wiring together as a kid, why would I want money in abundance when my brain is convinced that that just makes me greedy and I don't want to be that? So you see, I had to clear that old victim mentality around money so that I could become the victor with money. So how did I do that? I began to see and look for rich people who were well, wealthy, who also were generous. And every time that I had any money, I started to be generous with it. I started to see money as not something that I lacked, but money was something that I could give with and be generous with. And that was the first step for me to release some of the old attachments to money. I stopped budgeting. I stopped being greedy with money. I stopped feeling like I was in lack with money. And I started to feel in abundance with money. I started to be, think, feel, choose, and act as if money was abundant around me. I started to do that and act that part even before I had money. You can even go back to some of my oldest friends, but from the time I was in, in college doing this work, that I was incredibly generous. I bartended. I would make you know $300 in a night sometimes. And then we would go out and I would pick up the tab at the Waffle House four in the morning for like you know 10 bartenders and stuff. This is how I began to rewrite this story. And I began to look at stories and pay attention to stories of very wealthy people who are incredibly generous, philanthropists. And instead now, and now you can check in with yourself, instead of seeing wealthy people as greedy and power hungry, now I see it as the exact opposite. Some of the wealthiest, most generous people I know, which I am one of them. And by the way, notice what I said there. I am one of them. This is how you have to begin to adopt. I see myself as that now. And because of that, I uh, basically reinforce this thought process. Now, check in right now with how you're thinking, right? Because if you had a visceral reaction to me saying, I am one of them, or that rich people are some of the most generous people I know, then you and you're trying to create abundance, but you have this other mindset that says wealthy people are bad and Jade shouldn't say he's, he's generous or any of this kind of stuff. This is what I'm talking about. These beliefs have to be pruned first before you can create manifestation. Does that make sense? In other words, you want to watch how you are being, how you are thinking and feeling about what happens in the world, because it's up to you to change that. I'm sorry to break into the show, but I wanted to take a second to cover one of our sponsors and tell you all about Paleo Valley at paleovalley.com. These are the grass-fed sticks that I tell you all so much about that all of my friends know I have on hand constantly. They are in my car. They are at my house. I keep them at my sister's home and my parents' house. I have these things everywhere because they are the simplest, most convenient whole foods protein supplement you can get, almost like carrying around pure 
protein, low carb protein in your pocket. They also, these Paleo Valley beef sticks, are the only, the only 100% grass fed and grass finished beef sticks on the market. They use organic spices. They are naturally fermented instead of using nitrates and nitrites that can be a problem in some of these cured meats. And they simply taste fantastic. Check out the original or the jalapeno. Those are my favorites. Please make sure you go over to paleovalley.com and visit. When checking out, use the code NEXTLEVEL for a 15% discount. Remember, our sponsors keep the show going by you giving them your patronage and spending your money on these high quality products. You actually do a few things. One, you're helping to support the podcast. And two, you are helping your health. And three, you are making sure that good quality companies like Paleo Valley can be out there doing their business, changing the world, making the earth better. One of the things you may not know about this is that grass fed organic and grass finished beef is doing something that is so utterly important for our environment, actually helping to repopulate the topsoil. A lot of people don't know this, but our topsoil is being extremely depleted and raising animals, especially cattle, the correct way helps to get that topsoil back. This is one of the reasons why I love Paleo Valley, not to mention it tastes fantastic, but they're one of these companies like my other sponsors, Cured Nutrition and Organifi, that are doing the right things by the environment. I really appreciate everything they do, and I hope you will check them out. Thanks so much. Paleovalley.com. Use the code next level. And now back to the show. So now what we began to do is we began to understand that we don't really know what this feels like. So we have to play a game. We have to have a dress rehearsal, so to speak. So what do I mean by a dress rehearsal? And by the way, before I go into the dress rehearsal, let me just give you a frame of reference of how I look at this. Think about when you're manifesting, think about being an actor. Now, there's a saying, fake it until you make it. And then there's another saying that I coined, I believe I coined, that called be it until you see it. So the reason that I didn't like fake it till you make it is because faking to me means that when you're doing the thing and people are watching, it's easy for you. You can do it. You can fake. You can pretend. You can act like an actor. But as soon as people aren't watching, you go right back to behaving and being the way you normally are. And that's what a, a, a regular actor does, don't they? When the director says action, they go into pretending. They go into faking. And then when they say cut, the scene's over and they go right back to doing what they were doing before. Now, a method actor is very different because a method actor, as soon as they decide they're going to play a part, they start playing that part months before the movie even starts and they don't stop playing that part. So by the time the director says action, they're already in the part. They've been playing the part. They know that part. They're living that part. They are being that part. They're thinking, feeling, choosing and acting that part. And when the director says cut, they keep on thinking, feeling, acting and choosing, playing that part. That's why I say be it until you see it is a much more powerful way to convince the brain you are actually living in that reality then fake it until you make it. So how do you be it till you see it? Well, you have to have a dress rehearsal. You have to begin to say as a method actor, you have to essentially go, let me dress up as this part from here on out. Now, how do you do that? 
This is where meditation comes in. And this is where it gets uh, kind of woo-woo. This is where it can get a little bit woo-woo. This is where meditation manifestation comes in. So we're going to have to cover some things here about uh, the quantum realm, in a sense. I'm going to try to make this as simple as I can. Uh, and it's complicated. And I don't even understand all of this. But ultimately, what we know is that when you think about quantum physics, what we now know is that there is a field of energy, a field of frequencies. The way to think of this field is just black space. There's nothing there that you can deal with with your senses. You can't smell things. You can't see things. Uh, you can't taste things. You can't touch things. Right. This is all just energy. And. The physical world that we live in, this 3D reality of time, space, and matter, lies on top of that field like a scaffolding, right? So in other words, this field is all around us. We can't see it. We can't sense it. But it's all around us in the form of energies and frequency. And it is the scaffolding by which the 3D physical reality of time and space and matter sits. Now, ultimately... In the quantum realm, time does not really exist in the way it does in the 3D realm, in this, in this realm of time, space, and matter. It is just thought and just energy. And this is the first thing that you need to understand. And so what we're trying to do with manifestation is we're trying to go into a meditative state and we're trying to tap in to this quantum realm, this realm of just pure energy and possibility where unlimited potential is. Now, let's pause here for just a minute. This quantum realm, we know from quantum physics that it really is a realm of infinite possibility. We also know from things like entanglement and things like that, that time doesn't act the way that we think it is. Part of the reason Einstein struggled so mightily with quantum physics is that it violated his E equals MC squared equation. Because once you get past the speed of light, at that point, matter just simply becomes energy. And in the quantum, also, time doesn't exist. And this is why entanglement, when you take two electrons, for example, and you combine them in this entanglement that quantum physics do, physicists do and send them in different directions and then change one, the other one changes instantaneously. And Einstein even called this uh, spooky action at a distance and didn't really believe it, but it did disprove or at least showed that in the quantum realm, E equals MC squared, when matter becomes energy, time also in a sense disappears. And so in this quantum world, it is timeless. It is simply energetic signatures. And this is the realm that we want to pass into. And by the way, you kind of know what this realm is. It's that realm you're kind of tapping into it when you're in that realm where you're halfway between sleep and awake, where really images and all kinds of possibilities can form. Think about your dreams. You can pretty much make any bizarre dream happen. It's infinite in the abilities. You can have... You know, you can have a, be having a dream or imagery around your body with the head of a cow and you're actually, you know, your brother instead of you. 
and you're talking to a tree and all kinds of bizarre things can happen. And that's because there are infinite sort of possibilities in a sense in the quantum realm. They're just signatures. And these signatures, these energetic signatures or thoughts as energy can be combined in all kinds of different ways. And so people like Carl Jung talked about this idea of we have our ego consciousness that interacts with the 3D realm. And we have our subconscious mind, which is a store of energy that we're not aware of that is kind of uh, interacting with the 3D realm, but also uh, sitting within, both are sitting within the quantum, which is sort of like the collective consciousness. You can call it God consciousness. You can call it source consciousness. You can call it potential. You can call it whatever you want, but you can think of our consciousness, ego conscious and subconscious as like an iceberg. And our ego conscious is sitting out of the water. It's the part of the iceberg we can see. It's the part that is interacting with the 3D world. Now, under that, the large mass of the iceberg, that part of the iceberg is the subconscious, the unconscious, right? And then it's surrounded all by water. In fact, it's water that is the scaffolding that the uh, iceberg sits in. And in fact, the iceberg is indeed made of that same water, just in a different form. This is a really good way to think about the quantum world. And as energy and frequency slows down, how you get to the speed of light and then beyond and lower than the speed of light, you start to have matter. And the slower those frequencies get, the more dense that matter gets. And so the water in this analogy of the ocean is the quantum and the iceberg is the consciousness, our personal consciousness. Now, some people might say when you die, what happens? Well, the iceberg essentially just melts and goes into the conscious. And now you are unlimited potential. You understand all things. You basically get reabsorbed into God consciousness or source consciousness or uh, potential. The point, though, that I'm trying to make is that when you get into this quantum realm, you basically have to become something... Uh, apart from your senses, apart from your ego, you have to dissolve your sense of identity in a sense. And in a very real way, when you're trying to manifest a new reality for yourself, especially become a new person, you have to kill your old identity. So if in meditation, you can become nobody, right? Which the yogis talk about that you lose your identity. And when you lose your identity, of course, you can't sense anything. You can't taste, you can't touch, you can't hear, you can't see anything, but you lose yourself and you essentially become in contact with this invisible quantum realm. Now, if you've never meditated, you may not know what this feels like, but what it feels like is it feels like when you're in this place, you have no awareness really of who you are. It almost feels like everything around you, all the matters disappear. Some people call it the void. It's like you're just sitting in blackness and it's very difficult to even relate to your body. And even when you do relate to your body, you kind of say to yourself, oh yes, I'm here, but I'm also there and I'm everywhere. You feel like you are everywhere. So yes, you feel like in your body, but you feel like you're everywhere. Now, those of you who have done psychedelics, know exactly what I'm talking about. Some people would argue that psychedelics put you into this quantum place as well, where it's just about frequency. So when you are manifesting, you go into this meditative place. Now, this is what's really hard because 
People who meditate have a hard time of getting out of their thought. They have a hard time thinking about time, which is in the 3D. They have a hard time losing their identity, which is in the 3D. They have a hard time not thinking about people, places, and things inside this meditation. But when you do that, you never actually can escape the 3D realm and get into the quantum because the quantum doesn't deal with thinking uh, about other people and, and matter and space and time. So you have to get clear of, you can't worry about how long am I going to be doing this meditation? And you can't be thinking about, you know, your past lover or how much money you have or don't have or the thing you want. You can't be thinking about things in that way. And this is the first major mistake with meditation manifestation and this dress rehearsal, because of what a lot of people will do. And I did this for a very long time is they will just visualize. They will just visualize what they want. But you can't use a 3D sense and create something from the quantum, which has all possibilities, a different possibility than what you're currently living when you're trying to influence something that doesn't work in the realm of the 3D. Does this make sense? In other words, you can't be visualizing and trying to force the quantum to do what you want, which is essentially to say you cannot think a thing into existence or visualize a thing into, into existence in this way. You first have to become in communion with the quantum realm. And when you do this, and many, many, many traditions have done this. Anyone who's had any deep meditation knows what this feels like, and it takes practice. But once you find this deep meditation, you will find that you can drift into a place of just pure awareness, where you are just aware of everything. It's almost like you become the watcher behind your eyes. Uh, some sometimes if you know what Russian these Russian nesting dolls, my my um, sister-in-law is a uh, is Russian and Ukrainian. And uh, she when she first came to visit, she brought these Russian nesting dolls. And this is this little tiny doll that is embedded in another doll, which is embedded inside of another doll, which is embedded inside of another doll, which is embedded inside of another doll. If you've ever gotten a Christmas presents where someone puts a tiny little box uh, that is uh, then wrapped in another box, which is then wrapped in another box, which is wrapped in a bigger box, et cetera. And you have to keep unwrapping boxes. This is partly what this is like. When you get into the quantum, what it feels like is that your body and your mind and your ego is nested inside a watcher, an observer. And this observer doesn't relate to you as if it is you. It relates to you as if it is just watching everything, you and everyone else in the whole world. And when you get into that state of the observer and just pure awareness, this is when you are in the conscious, uh, or I'm sorry, the quantum realm. This is what many people call the void. You may even notice that you have no sense of anything around you or anybody else around you. You have no real sense of self. You're just aware in many, many different ways. Once you get to this place, and notice there's no visualization going on here. It's just basically pure relaxation. And I'll give you a couple hints here. For me, when I do this, I start out by whenever I have a thought about a thing or something in the 3D realm, you know, and I worry about time or I worry about a person or, you know, anything like that, what I do is I just simply say to myself, that's interesting that Jade is having that thought. And when I Put myself in the third person that way. It helps me take this 
perspective of this greater awareness. And the more I'm able to do that and just focus on that, I am just the watcher. I am nothing. I'm not a person. I am not an ego. I'm not in time, right? I'm none of these things. The more I do that, then this best way to describe it is this veil opens up or this doorway opens up and it feels like the following. It feels like your body is in deep sleep, so deep sleep that you're not even aware of it. But your brain, your brain is also kind of sleeping. But this awareness, this ghost in the in the in the shell kind of thing, the ghost in the brain kind of comes out and starts watching everything. That's when you know you're there. Now, at this point, rather than trying to visualize anything, which would pull you right back into the 3D realm at this point. You will have wanted to set an intention before you even got in to the meditation. So prior to the meditation even starting, you would have thought about, for example, abundance. And rather than thinking like something visual where, you know, money, uh, instead think about abundance or the feeling that comes around that freedom. Uh, you know, what, you know, what is it that, you wanting money does for you? Or what is it that you wanting a new lover does for you? What's, what are you really after? What is the feeling you're really after? And set that intention. And I'll actually tell you what happened to me at this conference that helped me understand this very clearly. So I was in this meditation, deep into this meditation, and I started to do visualiz visualizing, which I'm telling you is probably not the best way to do this because you're using a sense organ vision, which doesn't operate in the quantum. And so I'm visualizing and I'm visualizing money. I'm visualizing piles of cash. In fact, I'm sitting on a pile of cash and I'm seeing Benjamins everywhere, $100 bills everywhere. And, and, you know, they're falling from the sky and they're sitting on tables and I'm just around them and I'm visualizing this. And what happens was when the, when the, when the meditation ended, which was a very deep meditation, I was able to keep that up for however long I was in meditation for, I went to um, in, in the hotel I was at, I went to get sushi inside the hotel and I sat down and there was a TV screen above me and American Idol, uh, was playing up there and I was looking and I guess they were doing some kind of, uh, uh, some kind of, uh, where you, you contest, some kind of contest. <laughs> That's my thyroid again. I swear. Sometimes it's what my thyroid, uh, does. I can't find the words that I'm trying to say, but anyway, they're having some kind of contest and the imagery of the contest is exactly what I had just visualized in my meditation. Money falling from the sky, people sitting on money, money on tables, money in cars, money everywhere, Benjamins, and it was all $100 bills. And in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, it's almost as if I created this imagery in the 3D world. I was just imagining seeing money and now I'm seeing tons of money. But that's when it hit me. That when I've done this right in my life, it's not a vision in that way. And so in a sense, it was almost like source consciousness essentially saying to me, okay, Jade, you wanted to see money here. Here's money. Look at all of it. It's on TV, right? There it is. What I realized in that moment is that ultimately what you want to do is set the intention first. And then when you get into your meditation and enter into this void, well, the void is just energy. And thought is energy. You don't want a vision, but you can have a thought. And if the thought is abundance, then what you do is you just send out that thought, abundance. You just think that thought, abundance. Now, if you set the intention ahead of time, 
then guess what happened? That thought will be right there for you. You'll be, you'll go into the, the meditation with your thought. And as soon as you enter into this void, this place of, you know, sort of nothingness and ego detachment, now what you will have is you will have a thought of abundance. And what happens is as you sit in that thought, that energetic signature, what actually ends up happening is something very similar to what happens in that dream state, that place between wake, wakefulness and sleep, dreaming. All of a sudden, you'll start getting imagery back. So what imagery did I get back? I got back this imagery of this uh, beautiful apple tree that when I picked an apple off of the tree, there was another apple immediately there, right where I picked it. And this to me was the signature of abundance in the quantum realm as it was communicating with me. And now what I did and what you do at this point is now you take that imagery and you begin to feel that imagery. So rather than feeling the, the you know, the uh, abundance of all this visual of this cash, I'm actually thinking about an apple tree, this abundant apple tree, which in my thought represents abundance in a very different way. It represents abundance of love. It represents abundance in uh, money. It represents abundance in many of health. It represents abundance in other ways. And what happens is then I can begin to feel into that. And what they oftentimes think about, what you may have heard, is that when you are doing manifestation work and meditation and manifestation work, what you want to think about is you want to think the thought and feel the feeling. And you want to let that feeling fill up your body. And so that's what I began to do. And because the image came to me rather than me providing the image, I was able to feel it much more deeply. Now, here is the experiment. Now, what happens with manifestation as you come out of this, you look for synchronicities and serendipities. And this is a very important part that we cover in the journey. How do you know if you were stuck in the old villain or victim state? How do you know if your mind is stuck in an old 3D pattern, that your brain is firing and wiring in ways that are not helpful for you? Well, you know because your life will keep showing up that way. Recurrent struggles, uh, repeated obstacles, stuck emotions, right? You get a new job, you're making more money, but you have the same amount in your bank account regardless. You uh, get a new relationship, but it turns out that it looks, feels like the same relationship. New person, old pattern. This is how you know. Well, how do you know you're entering into a brand new pattern? Well, you know when you start getting synchronicities, serendipities. What's the difference between these, by the way, right? A, a synchronicity is something that you're sort of thinking about something and it seems to show up seemingly out of nowhere. A serendipity is where you're sort of looking for uh, one thing, but another unrelated thing that's perhaps better shows up. And so these synchronicities and serendipities start showing up versus these old recurrent patterns, stuck emotions and repeated obstacles. This is the difference. You start seeing these things. And what you want to do then in your manifestation work is follow these opportunities. If someone says, hey, I read this book or hey, uh, you should watch this documentary or hey, you should meet my friend or hey, you should go here. And especially if you hear those things more than once or twice, this to me is your opportunity to begin to move in the direction that this manifestation meditation set up for you. This is the part where you take action. So let's just review real quick. First part, right? You got to get rid of those old beliefs, get rid of the victim, get rid of the villain. 
that happens uh, in places like the journey and other work. Then you begin practicing this manifestation meditation that I laid out for you. And you do this as often as possible, as often as possible. And you bring into the meditation your intention. You get into this void. You allow the void to give you the imagery. You then use that imagery to feel into it. Now comes the part that almost everyone falls apart on. Now you have to go out into the world and actually be it. You did the dress rehearsal, right? The meditation is the dress rehearsal. Now you actually have to go out and play the scene. You have to do it in the real world. And you have to act on opportunities. And you have to take massive action. And the opportunities begin to present themselves. And you'll feel these opportunities as intuitions. And those intuitions will be associated with synchronicities and serendipities and these, you know, really unexpected opportunities and feelings of awe and feelings of as if this thing was put there just for you. And you start following those breadcrumbs. And as you do that, you will begin to change. Your body begins to change. You might you know, start taking all kinds of different actions, getting a different degree, going in this direction. You never even thought that you would be, you know, teaching this or doing that or traveling here or wherever. And as you do that, what ends, what begins to happen is the wisdom gap begins to close. The gap between what you didn't know and what you needed to know to get what you want begins to shrink. And this is where you then begin to live as if and live your way into the answer or live your way into this new experience. And this is how manifestation works. To me, this is the formula. Part one, you got to clear and integrate the old pain that keeps you back because otherwise you'll be like going down the highway with one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. You also have to practice this dress rehearsal so you know what it feels like. So you know what these possibilities feel like. This is where the meditation comes in, this thought and feeling. Here's what the thought is. Here's what it will feel like. And then you have to, most importantly, take action. You must be it until you see it. And part of being it until you see it is carrying this feeling that you generated inside that meditation out into the real world. And in a very real sense, what is happening in these, uh, in this interaction in this communion with the quantum world is you are essentially setting up a frequency so that you can recognize that frequency in the 3D world. And then you will be pulled in that direction. And this, in some ways, you might say this sounds like woo-woo. In other ways, you might be like, no, duh, right? It's, it's, it's like the law of recognition that I oftentimes talk about. It's, it's basically if I want to get, if I decide I'm going to get a new car and I want it to be a red Tesla, I may not even have noticed Teslas before, but all of a sudden a bunch of Teslas start showing up and a surprising amount of them are red. And then I even notice, oh my gosh, my neighbor has a red Tesla. That's partly what is happening here. It's not necessarily that you drove, you, you brought this into the, to existence, although some people might believe that. It's just more that now you're recognizing all the opportunities. You're re recognizing the energetic signatures. Remember, the quantum is the scaffolding that the 3D world sits on top of. And so all you're doing is recognizing these energetic signatures and following them like breadcrumbs. And then the world begins to change. This is, to me, the manifestation blueprint that makes all the difference in the world. So you have to ask yourself, are you getting these three parts right? Are you 
clearing the old beliefs, the old patterns, which some people even believe some of those old patterns come from old traumas that aren't even yours, that come from genetic trauma. These things must be addressed. Second, are you doing this dress rehearsal in the be it till you see it and allowing the quantum to guide you in terms of the imagery rather than you using visualization and try to force it down the throat? Instead, you're going to use this idea that Carl Jung talks about that the subconscious mind does not speak in language and reason. It speaks in symbol. It speaks in metaphor. Right. That's when it speaks in energy thought with feeling. That's what it speaks with. And so you have to listen to it and meet it on those terms. And then you go out into the real world and you must act. There's no creating anything unless you take action in the real world. Although some would argue that in the manifestation work, if you do it right, the actions you take are far less robust and far, you know, not needed to be so intense because you are following this path, almost like a river, you're almost like in a river that is flowing and pushing you in a sense in the right direction. Your job then is just to be in the, in the, in the river, call it the river of Tao. Taoism talks about waters and rivers and flow a lot. You just lay back in your boat and you keep an eye out for the rocks and what looks familiar. Oh my gosh, there's an eddy over there. There's a little outcropping. There's a little bay that I can get into that looks exactly like what I've been thinking and, and feels intuitively right. What you don't do though, is you don't try to paddle upstream. And this brings me to my final thing, thing that I'll say about manifestation. There are two types of intention. There's directive intention. This would be like me visualizing money, 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 $10 million, you know, whatever it is, right? That's very directive. Or I want to do ABC and XYZ by this time. That's also very directive. And notice that ABC and XYZ, that's matter and space. And by this time, that's all 3D stuff. Well, collaborative intention is very different than directive intention. Collaborative intention says, I have this thought, this feeling of abundance, this, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. It's essentially saying that you're a co-creator at best. I'm going to collaborate with the quantum world to bring me to the direction, bring me to the places that I can get uh, the results from. That's what we want to do. We want to be collaborators. We want to wake up to both who we want to become and who the universe is pushing us to become. These two things have to uh, align. And I'll give you an example from a client of mine. This was a woman who her dream was to become a pop star. She always wanted to, from the time she was young, be a singer. Now, the fact of the matter is she's trying to manifest becoming a singer. But the fact is she's not really that great of a singer. Directive intention would have her keep knocking her head against that door and her continually to have that door shut. Collaborative intention would have her understand that music is definitely a part of her life and that she uh, needs to pay attention to where the universe is trying to help her create a musical career. She ended up being a voice coach. And this was something she never even thought about. She may not have been able to sing well herself, but she could spot really good voices. This is the, the difference. She was in her collaborative intention and ended up finding the perfect solution for her. These things all need to be taken into account. Now, the journey is part one, my journey event, my awakening event, 
is this part two, where we begin to really play with this manifestation meditation, even using psychedelics to help us with this as we begin to make the full hero's journey to our victor selves. This is what I wanted to cover in this episode. So I hope that that made sense to you. I hope it wasn't too, quote, woo-woo or new age for you. And I hope it gives you an idea about how manifestation works, at least from my perspective, and some of the elements that I've been putting together for the next level human work. Thanks so much for hanging out on the podcast, and I will see you at the next episode. You have been listening to the Next Level Human podcast with Dr. Jade Tita. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe and consider leaving a review. You make the biggest difference when you pass on your lessons and inspire others. That's why reviews like this are so powerful. Your words may be the only ones that resonate for someone else. Please remember the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. Always consult your personal physician or therapist before making any lifestyle changes. And finally, thank you for who you are in the world and the difference you make.